welcome to the Move Well Radio Podcast, where we discuss all things related to health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that you can actually understand. And it's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Roger St. Ange, doctor of physical therapy, founder of Move Athletics Physical Therapy and Performance. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Move Well Radio Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Alex Fontaine. Alex is a uh, soon-to-be Move Athletics physical therapist. He completed a uh, 10-week internship with us. Uh, He's a badass. Uh, So as soon as he finishes up his last clinical rotation uh, and gets his license officially, he will be in here treating patients. Uh, And until then... He's just in here hanging out with us and learning and getting tons of reps in, uh, in, uh, in I don't know, just being a good person, right? Like trying to set himself up for success. So, uh, so thanks for for chatting with us, Alex. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, honestly, guys, uh, this is just some downtime uh, between patients, and I was like, let's, let's record a podcast. And Alex was like, what are we gonna talk about? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Well, let's do it. So, uh, I think that actually is, is a good uh, lead in here, right? So, what I'm curious about, Alex, is like. When you first came here, right, things uh, were probably very different than what you've seen other places and what you were taught in school. Am I, is that correct? Yeah, largely to that effect, yeah. Yeah, so I, I know that <laughs> you were likely, because uh, don't do things the way that they're taught in school, you're probably a little skeptical. And, uh, and then by the end, you're like, wow, this is like very different how do I like be a part of this? So why don't you why don't you tell us like what caught your attention? Like what's different uh, about the way that we operate versus I don't know every other healthcare professional in the world? Yeah. Uh, first off, it's like time management wise. We have an hour in this practice versus like a half hour treatment in uh, any insurance based clinic. So you get more individual time with the patient. You get greater time to work with them, and you can find out who they are as a person instead of a number on a sheet and how much money you're going to make off them through insurance instead of whatever. So you can actually build a relationship with someone instead of set them out the door and seeing however 12, 20, 30 patients a day compared to here where you're seeing at most eight. So <laughs> there's that difference. Uh, I only see six. I only see six a day. You'll see seven. So not even eight. Not even unless you really decide that you want to work a long, a no. long day. But <laughs> man, and that's so that's so crazy, right? Because to me, I, even at six, I'm like, ugh, six is like a lot of patients in a day. I only want to see four, right? And and I rem- I remember that like working and seeing like literally thirty plus patients a day. It's absolutely it's absolutely mind numbing. So <clears throat> outside of that, uh, you know, w- the way that we think and the way that we operate and the way that we uh, treat patients here. Uh, is is a little bit different, right, than the way that you're taught in school. So I know there's a lot of, like, academia and, like, looking at sensitivity and specificity, but, like, how much of what you're taught in school, like, just makes common sense? Yeah, I think that's the perfect word, common sense, there to describe it, because you can read as many articles as you want, but if it doesn't relate to the person you're working with in front of you, it's not going to apply, because look at any article, and it's going to have a specific population, specific conditions a specific environment and that doesn't apply to everyone so if you can apply common sense to the person in front of you and do do what works for them that's going to benefit them instead of a small sample of whoever you know 
Yeah. So and that's I mean that's a great point. It's like it has to be specific to the person, like what you're doing and what their goals are. So how much are you taught in school uh, to like look at like a test of function and look at what people are trying to do? Like, hey, I have trouble when I'm squatting. I have trouble getting up and doing this. Like, do they are they teaching you like, hey, look at this and help people do these things while you rehab? No, they really don't. It's like high emphasis on ADLs and you don't see a highly athletic population in school. Like they teach you to be a geriatric therapist pretty much. So if someone's having trouble reaching into a cabinet, you got to address reaching into a cabinet that, well, how many people are going to be reaching into a cabinet having issues with that aside from people 65 plus, you know, the average person probably wants to be able to squat, deadlift, whatever. And all those things apply to our regular daily living, picking the laundry basket, playing with your dogs, stuff like that. And they don't really teach you like those movement patterns, like a couple of weeks in here. And we had those movement patterns down comparatively to what they taught us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have, we have the whole, like the whole pull up rig, like multiple squat racks. And I mean, you've seen people in here, right? With uh, 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 the hundred pound sandbag <laughs> recovering <Yeah. laughs> from low back pain. <laughs> like how often do you go somewhere? Have you ever seen somebody break out a hundred pound sandbag and have them do weighted lifts and carries and throws uh, for recovery? No, I've never even seen a barbell used in traditional PT. So like that was kind of a culture shock and like teaching people through those movement patterns and applying them to everyday life. And even like the simple things like bracing, rooting, those kinds of things that no one has ever taught me until I came here, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, what's, uh, what's funny about this is that you're like a high level athlete. Yeah, right? formally. Yeah, well, I don't put formally in there. Like, yeah, so Alex had some uh, some issues. He was on his way to uh, a hockey fame, and then his shoulder started uh, falling out of its socket in his sleep like SpongeBob trying to lift a barbell. Yeah. So they had to go on so back. So they kind of like interrupted things. Um, you know what? Let's let's talk about that. Tell us about tell us about like your past and how you kind of got to where you are now. Yeah, uh, I've been. I used to be a hockey player. I pl- started playing at like six years old. Played locally, then played in high school, and decided I'm going to try and take this more seriously. So I went and played in Connecticut my junior year of high school, made a team, and then it didn't turn out to be exactly where we wanted it. We had nine guys dressed up in two goalies, so able to put one line out there with one sub pretty much. And then from there, I just kind of was like, what am I going to do to take this further? So I went out to Marlboro and played there for the Boston Junior Bruins, which yielded some good results i ended up getting uh offered to commit to a school that shall not be named we'll keep that <laughs> under wraps but um i committed and then two weeks later i ended up tearing hamstring mcl injury and then on top of that with the shoulder everything just kind of added up and they withdrew their offer and it was just kind of like pulling the rug trained so hard for so many years to get to where i wanted to be and it kind of just changed my trajectory and i had spent so much time in pt for adding up injuries, uh, the same injury, hamstring injury every year for the same year and kept going to PT and it got better, but was never perfect. And then I was like, well, if I can help someone with my stuff, prevent what happened to me and they can realize the potential, commit to a school, go beyond further in the career if they don't even make it a professional level of playing college, that kind of thing. And if I can help prevent that, that'd be very fulfilling and satisfying to me. So that kind of put me on this trajectory path. And then however many years into DPT school, decided to get shoulder surgery with after recurrent um, dislocations and subluxations. 
pretty much to the point where I was waking up every morning and my shoulder was out and I was like, well, I need to get <laughs> surgery <laughs> and kind of fix this. And a whole series of events led me to here where Roger kind of took me under his wing and as a favor and kind of <laughs> <laughs> led me to being employed here. So it works out in the end. Oh yeah, it definitely, it definitely was uh, as a favor. One of the professors kind of reached out and was like, Hey, we got this kid that just had uh, shoulder surgery. Right. And uh, <laughs> and he's he's not gonna be able to graduate on time. We don't really have anywhere that can can take him uh, to to get a clinical done, so he doesn't uh, you know have to miss graduation. I was like, oh, twist twist my arm, Tracy. <laughs> All right, I just want to talk to him first, right? Because it's very different than a typical clinical. So like, yeah, yeah. you know, we're we are an out of network facility, so you know you didn't have all of that time where you're getting the patient treatment hours like yourself right we did a lot of education a lot of mentorship and you were highly involved but you know typically when you go into a clinical it's like hey you're just kind of thrown into it and you might get a little bit of guidance uh, and i've always thought that model is like not good for patient care anyways you know i remember being in my first clinical having like my own caseload my second third clinical having my own caseload with no mentorship i have no idea what i was doing like yeah it's okay people got better mostly just because people tend to get better, right? That's why we typically see people here like after they haven't gotten better with right. bullshit treatment out other places. And <clears throat> there's so many ways that I want to take this uh this conversation uh, after your backstory. They're like one way I want to go down is like you went through all of this rehab as a high-level athlete and you never got any of this stuff in here on a high level like like, like you see us doing in here in your what did your rehab look like? core strengthening and flexibility and it's pretty much what I was taught and I was told my hips were off and I had to do muscle energy to correct my hips and I believed that up until like two years ago and then I was like is this really changing anything like is this gonna help me and in reality no it ended up being I need to focus on different areas and who knows how much of that was coming from my back you know like (laughs) I could just be like a weak L5 (laughs) nerve root and it was recurring and eventually it just let go because of years of repeated stress and nothing correcting it whereas here like i probably would have gotten better within a couple weeks yeah i mean well let's not let's not speculate let's just talk about like what you actually went through like you you how many times did you uh how many times did you pull your hamstring it was twice a season for three or four years twice a season like yeah okay so (laughs) if anybody that's listening if you don't know uh pulled hamstring is actually a torn hamstring if you uh strain a muscle right or you sprain a ligament what that's just a really nice way of saying torn so you tore a muscle like six to eight times the same muscle and they're having you do muscle energy techniques which if you guys don't know is just a very gentle like isometric contraction like if you put your hand on top of your knee when you're sitting and you try to lift your knee up but you use your hand to prevent motion uh, on one side and the other side the other leg, you put your hand underneath, like, your thigh, and you try to push down. So one leg's pushing up, one leg's pushing down, and then you just, like, swap. That's a muscle energy technique, and it does literally nothing to, to fix, quote-unquote, fix a torn hamstring. It doesn't make any sense. So nobody took you on a high level and worked you through it, an extreme, intense hamstring strengthening regimen. No, I think the most they had me do was like a leg curl machine and they'd be like, all right, you're on your way. How many, were you the only patient in that situation? Uh, and yeah, for that one I was, it was brief though. It was like 30 minutes and then they throw me on e and heat for 
in the next 50 and wouldn't see a therapist for like another 20 minutes and even then it was an aid or a pta yeah okay so you had a little bit of one a little bit of one-on-one time with your therapist but you spent a, a good half of your treatment time doing useless modalities yeah and most of the time it was a pta and i would only see the pt on the eval and it'd be like all right we're gonna be with this guy for next six weeks oh my god that's another problem <laughs> that i have like and i wish that we could use a pta right because matthias our strength coach if you guys don't know who that is like he's a pta right and that guy is like he's spot on clinical he's smart like he's just super dedicated loves to help people i uh, grew up in denmark playing soccer now he deadlifts almost 700 pounds he doesn't like it when i say that he deadlifts 675 but, like if i could use him clinically in the model like where I didn't have to do evals and then pass people off to him, that would be ideal. But I'd never agree with that. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you come see somebody and be like, all right, well, you're going to see the doctor, they're going to evaluate you, and then they're going to pass you off to somebody else, and they're going to, what, read the note and have no idea what's going on? It's just a waste of your time, right? And then they can't do re-evals either. Right. So then, like, somebody else that's not been involved in your care, like, has to come in and re-eval. It doesn't make any sense to me. So, no. Like think about it. Like how many? How often am I reevaluating people when when we're treating? Every second of every treatment, you yeah. gotta look it's, for something new. It is constant reevaluation. Ask anybody that's come in here. Like I check and recheck. We check. We recheck. Like every single time because you know what? Sometimes things change. Sometimes things present a little bit differently, right? You, you got to make sure you're not missing things. You've got to double check, triple check, and like constantly make sure that you are either r- you know right or wrong. And, and I'm never trying to prove myself right, right? Like anytime I'm doing these tests, I, I have a hypothesis and I'm trying to make tests that are going to prove me wrong right i'm not trying to you can always find things to support why you're right you got to find out why you're wrong mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> if you can't do that because you're not allowed to do quote reevals, is that really in the best interest for the patient no because no. you're going to keep treating the same thing and it's not going to get any better yeah. or they're going to get better on their own they're going to be like wow that was great yeah and the underlying cause is still there you know <laughs> yeah and then, then you <laughs> then you're it's four years later and you're still pulling your hamstring tearing your hamstring twice a season speaking of that like, so uh, earlier, uh, Alex mentioned it could be a weak L5 nerve root. So L5 is your fifth lumbar vertebrae. Uh, um, well, it's your fifth lumbar nerve. You could be vertebrae or nerve, right? L5 is L5 nerve root or the L5 vertebrae. So when we talk about L5, like that actually innervates your hamstrings a lot. And it's very, very common to have someone with recurrent hamstring strains uh, have a low-level issue coming from their back, and maybe they don't have any back pain, but they've got reflex changes, they've got uh, nerve tension issues, and they've got strength issues that are stemming from the nerves. And it's very uh, cut and dry to like tease that out and test for those kind of things. Did anybody ever examine, evaluate, evaluate your back? No, nope, I can't even tell you if I don't think I've had even like someone use a reflex hammer unless it was my pediatrician and. <laughs> yeah, that's like a daily occurrence here. You yeah, know? you know, I remember that after uh, after some of my clinicals, uh, and I'd come back and and somebody asked me like reflex. What do you need to test that for? It doesn't tell you anything. Like, it tells you a lot. It's like a cluster of findings, right? Like, how many times do people come in here with knee pain, foot pain, uh, ankle, whatever it is, like any pain below their belly button, and it's actually coming from their back? Pretty often. Yeah, yeah all like daily, literally. Right, people come in like, oh, my knee's been hurting me. I've been, I've seen three other PTs, two chiros, and a surgeon, and nothing helps. I'm never going to get better. Yeah, well, that's because it's coming from your back, and they're like, oh, mind blown, right? Like that's exactly yeah. you see in it. real time. It's crazy to see like the connections linking, and they're like, it makes sense. Yeah, they're like, why has nobody else looked at this? Uh, and, and sometimes I feel badly, right? I'm like, well, everybody wants to help you. Like nobody gets into he- healthcare to not help people. They do get burnt out from high volume and like d- like 
productivity demands and all of this stuff uh, and working with patients that don't want to get better. Like that's the worst situation, mm-hmm. right? But uh, and then I have to tell them, well, you, you, I, I don't know why nobody told you. Like uh, maybe they don't know, right? Like maybe they literally they just don't know. Like if they knew, they would have probably looked or maybe they're just too busy to actually listen right. to their patients. Like how many – uh, how many people asked you how many times you pulled your hamstrings? Not many. They would right. just be – they knew I was – I went to the same place like every time, so they just knew me by name. I'm like, oh, what happened again, huh? Like, yep. Yeah, so they knew that you had recurrent strains, and they were like, let's just keep doing the same shit that's not helping you long term. Yeah, and worst part is I bought into it. and was just like, oh, I just need to do these couple things, and I'll be good to go. And Yeah, well, it never it's, helped. It's uh, – I mean – it's <laughs> Never fixed the issue, I should say. <laughs> yeah, you got better over time temporarily right and it would happen again until you got back into it and that's one of the big reasons why we check in with people along the way like hey you're back to full activities with no restrictions we're going to check in a couple of times to make sure that like nothing happens and we can continue to progress you because just because you don't have symptoms doesn't mean that like your rehab should be done that's unless you have like absolutely no uh like moving your body goals you know what i mean like there's so much and if it was truly a recurrent hamstring issue like well, did they ever watch you skating? Right, like that's is that first of all is that when you would pull your hamstring? When you're yeah, skating? it would be after like a busy weekend where I play three out of five games and been diving all over the place and putting myself in compromising positions, which yeah makes sense looking back on it. <laughs> did anybody did anybody ever look at those positions? Say, show me what that looks like. Nope. Show me what you're doing. No. So it could just be a movement fault at the same time. Like, hey, don't move that way. Or we need to strengthen things in this position. Because functionally doing hamstring curls, like, that doesn't do too much for you when you're on the ice, right? Like, you're not sitting no. there no laying on your belly doing hamstring curls uh, trying to guard a goal. No, not at all. Yeah, so so that's a bunch of crap. Um, sorry, if you can't tell, guys, I feel very strongly about this because <laughs> it just blows my mind the way that the medical community is, is set up these days. So uh, I want to go down a different route, like the psychological route. Like what – because this is this is big too, right? Like when people have these goals uh, or things that they're working towards and like your whole identity is wrapped up in being uh, – uh, I almost said a soccer player, a hockey player, <laughs> right? Because we were talk- talking so much soccer earlier uh, about Matias and everything. So, mm. But it, when your identity is wrapped up in like the hockey player, right, and then all of a sudden that's taken away from you. What does that do, like, psychologically? How did that affect you? Yeah, that took a long time to overcome because ask anyone I went to high school with, they'd be like, oh, yeah, he's the hockey player. He was the goalie. Be like, all right, that's who I am now, I guess. And it took me, like, three years. Like, I got all the way through undergrad and college and it was still like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm just going through the motions. And then I finally got to the grad phase of PT school and was like, found it. I know who I am now. Like, I know what I want to do. And it was just like – I didn't know how to interact with people because how I made friends is you put 20 of a bunch of strangers in the same room. You have the same goal. You want to win games. You want to win a championship, whatever. And you got along because you all had the same goal and you, the teammate mentality of, like, I'm going to do whatever I can for the guy across from me to win the game, so to speak. So, like, <laughs> the social skills of, like, a young adult weren't there <laughs> yeah. trying to ask people, like, in my classes, like, Hey, you want to go grab a bite to eat and study for a while? And I was like, you, I'd go to approach people and I'd be like, uh, it, it, do, you it. Like, do you my friend? Yeah, pretty much. No, yeah. Uh, dude, uh, yeah, I totally understand that. I, I totally get that. I haven't been in that situation, but uh, like, uh, that sounds tough, right? Like when you just have a community typically and like no matter where you go, you're just on a hockey team and, 
it's like, oh, these are my friends now because we're going to be spending a lot of time together and we're working towards a, a mutual goal. Like, yeah, that sounds like difficult. I mean, it sounds like lonely, really. Yeah, I felt like I was going through like a guy who worked the same job for 50 years going through retirement. Like he tries to pick up golf, but he's like, I, I don't like golf. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just not for me. I want to go do what I do. But like I'm like 80 years old now and I can't do it and felt the same way. But at 18 years old, you know, and being a teenager too like that's a huge part of like development of identity and like all that so yeah kind of wreaked havoc on my life for a while and figured it out though yeah I'm here yeah man let's get let's i mean let's talk uh let's talk mental health here and if this gets too personal like uh just let me know and i'll ignore you we'll keep talking about it no, no, just kidding. <laughs> so like i mean that sounds like it sounds like something that would easily like uh spiral downward like into a, a very big depression and then like i know like dude you're on your grind now like you're get you're like working out all the time and you're like really watching your diet and you're like really getting yourself uh back into whatever kind of shape you value right because i know that we've talked a lot about that and you're like putting in a ton of work now then i get the impression that like yeah there was a period of time where you you really weren't yeah definitely so it like, was more about like just get me through school and i'll worry about that later and night later now so yeah it, yeah it definitely wasn't I've never been like diagnosed with like any sort of depression or anything about that but there's been periods in my life where it's been like I don't know what I'm doing like I'm not sure I'm happy with this like is this gonna pay off and it was just like a bunch of ifs and if you don't know where you're going it's hard to see like the the light at the end of the tunnel so to speak so it's like sitting through prereqs that seem to have no meaning. Like, I got to write an English essay about what this music video means to me. It's just like, I really don't give a shit about, like, what Twi Taylor Swift is saying and, hey, like, no how swearing. it relates no to swearing. me. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, like, things like that. It's just, like, I had no idea what I was doing. It was just, like, very confusing, and I didn't know what I wanted, so to speak. And, yeah, it kind of put me in a funk for a while, but I I can't say I've ever been – clinically depressed so to speak but there's definitely been moments where it's been confusing and not sure of what i wanted yeah i mean i think you need to be have a clinical diagnosis of depression to like be going through a very confusing lost is like a good mm -hmm. word there yeah it seems like uh phase and i just think that's so important to share that with people because if you haven't been in that situation or you haven't seen somebody close to you in that situation and you haven't like it, you can't really understand it right or people don't think about it like there's a lot of people that are like oh well you know there goes alex like he's got to change his life now but they don't really understand like how much of your life was really dedicated around like your whole life is centered around that and all of a sudden you don't have that anymore it's like where is the meaning in my life anymore right and yeah. and that can really spiral out of control i think it's really important to know as a as a medical professional like did you ever get anybody that like sat down and talked to you about that during your your medical treatments and like just made sure you're okay on that level no not at all it again just get me in get me out and yeah. whatever and like if you go to your primary care they ask you like the simple questions like oh are you having down thoughts you have you ever had thoughts of like hurting yourself and it's like no no yeah. but like n i haven't had any of those thoughts but like at the same time i could have probably been a little bit more honest like yeah i'm having some trouble and that probably could have put me in a place where i could have talked to someone about these struggles where yeah i normally wouldn't have but like being here i've seen some of those conversations you've had with patients that 
typically they don't have and it puts them in a better mind frame like your state of mind affects pain that you experience to a certain extent right with these posters we have up here you can't see them but you've talked to people and like kind of reassured them about what they're feeling and validated their feelings and that helps them to a certain extent to maybe like 50% of the way like helping them understand what they're going through and having that person that they can kind of rely on to talk to instead of just getting what they pay for in terms of physical therapy or a doctor visit you know yeah, and it's a, we don't sell. We don't sell physical therapy, right? Like we, and I'll tell everybody that, like, and that's why, because like, I think eighty percent of physical therapy is completely useless or harmful, hmm. right? Like, I don't. Physical therapy is just like that's a title. Physical therapist, like we help people, like get back to the activities and the sports that they love, right? Like uh, help them accomplish goals that they thought were going to be otherwise impossible. And that's, that's so multifaceted. You can't just be like, well, we're doing musculoskeletal work today. We're going to work on your bicep curls or your hamstring curls. It's like, no, man, like, Alex, how are you doing as a person? Like, are you, are you doing okay? Like, what's going on? Where's your head at? Like, what are you struggling with? I think it's so important to find out, like, where people are mentally with things, right? Like, it beats you up. And then having somebody that can just tell you, like, one, listen, right, not give you their opinions and not – like tell you what you got to do to fix your life, but just listen and un- to understand where you're coming from. And then just be able to tell you like, yeah, genuinely reassure you and that, you know, like this is normal. Like this happens to everybody in your situation or this happens to most people in your situation. And this is what we see. And it, it, it's okay to be feeling this way. Like you're, you're a kid, right? A 17 year old kid, hmm. 17, right? 17, 18, 17, 18 year old kid, right? Like, not very many 17, 18 year old kids are going to be like, yeah, you know what? Like I'm really, I'm really like suffering psychologically right now. No, it's an ego thing. That's going to like be admitting defeat, so to speak. Exactly. But if someone were to sit down and be like, Hey man, like I've been there. Like, I know this can be like real tough. And it's like, your whole identity is wrapped up in this. All of a sudden it's gone. So like, if you're feeling lost or confused, like just realize like, and I'm not saying that you are, but just realize like that's, that's okay. That's normal. And if you ever need help, dude, like we can chat about whatever it is that you need help you know, help with. And if you need like just to find another purpose, you need to like a hobby, like let's talk about that and help give you something to occupy your mind as well as helping you get through this rehab process. Right? Like how, mm. that, how impactful would something like that have been? Yeah. It would have helped immensely. Like <laughs> yeah. I found another passion, like happenstance, but like if someone could have helped me down that path or if a physical therapist was like, Hey, have you ever tried this and did some shadowing or something like that? You know, that would have been yeah game changer. Yeah. And about, uh, they're too busy for that. They yeah. just need to get their numbers in. Yeah. They need yeah. 13 patients more today. They don't need to <laughs> deal with they, me anymore. They need you to sit on the bike for 10 minutes <laughs> uh, and then have ice uh, for another 10 minutes uh, so they can get their notes done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Well, listen, I want to say thank you for sharing all that with us. I know that's like some, some kind of personal stuff, but uh, I think it's really important that people like, know who you are as a person. You yeah. Know, like, it- been fun thanks for having me on no we're not getting we're not stopping oh we're not here. stopping yet. yeah i was just telling saying thank you for like sharing your story because it can be uncomfortable like this is going out on the internet everybody's gonna hear it everybody's gonna judge you no i'm just kidding nobody's gonna judge <laughs> you if you guys uh and if anybody does judge you it's really only gonna be in a positive light because you have the courage to be here to share your story and i think that's really empowering right to be able to share your story to relate to people so people know that you get it right like people don't know that you understand things, that, that you are get where they're coming from unless you tell them, right? Right. Like you have to let people know, like, I get it. I've been there. That's just going to allow you to to, uh, to to connect better. So, yeah, 
totally switching gears here. Um, I don't know. I totally forgot what I was going to ask. So maybe we'll end it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what what was it really uh, that started to catch your eye uh, that made you want to come work at Move Athletics somewhere in your clinical? So I know there's a little bit of a different experience, and there's a lot of skepticism at first. And we talked about how like how things are differently, but like what was it that really caught your attention that was like I could never go to that insurance different realm like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, probably the patient-centered care is like. What does that mean? To me, it means you're advocating for them, and you're finding out what's wrong with—not wrong with them, but what's eating them inside, and why the issue is they're having. And you're not projecting what you want to find, but you're actually finding what's going on instead of coming up with something in your head and then just saying it's that because you found something that supports your hypothesis, but not completely, and that kind of really just drove me to want to pursue something in this area. And so happened that it worked out this way. So yeah, around that kind of idea and just the difference, like if someone's having issues with like, say a squat, like I've never seen someone say, let's look at your squat and just do it and pick apart the squat movement and find out what is happening. If they're having like a butt wink or, they're not doing enough rooting or their knees are collapsing and, you know, things like that. And you don't really see that in traditional PT. It's more, all right, let's strengthen your core because must be weak. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's that's like the most common thing, right? Yeah, we just need some core strengthening. Stretch your hamstrings. You'll be, you'll be good to go. <laughs> like, what? That's like the duct tape uh, of rehab. Like, right. uh, yeah, just, just – do some core strengthening and stretch your hamstrings. Yeah, we're gorilla tape here. Gorilla, yeah. <laughs> Don't put gorilla glue in your hair, guys. Um, yeah, I'm turning around to look over there. I mean, I'm just thinking about, you know, we had a patient that came in and was like, hey, I have pain in my back when I deadlift, only when I'm deadlifting 300-plus pounds. If you don't ever look at them deadlifting 300-plus pounds, how are you going to know – what to do for them like if you just went through like a traditional like all right active range of motion and let's look at this let's look at that that's completely meaningless to that person right right like what did we do like we literally just coached the deadlift we spent that whole hour right like just looking at the breakdown of the deadlift from an empty bar uh all the way up to over 300 like cueing testing retesting intervening like doing one thing retesting giving a different cue retesting and then that patient left that day, able to deadlift 315 plus, right, for reps with no pain. Yeah, he was able to, yeah. And go to any PT clinic, they're not even going to have the equipment to be able to deadlift over 315. Like, <laughs> was the last time you saw a barbell anywhere in a rig. Like, <laughs> that's that's true. And uh, and I, I think what it is is that, you know, you're, you're athletic too, right? So, like, mm. y- you get it, right? Like, these people, how many times have you seen some – People come in here and they're like, we've gone elsewhere. And like, they just can't help us. Or people are like, hey, it hurts when I squat. Or like our patient earlier this morning, right, she had come in uh, for knee pain originally. It was coming from her back. And then like we helped out with that. And then as she got back to higher level activities, she's got like these other mobility uh, things that are starting to cause some different pains. And we had to like sit down and break down all of these different movements with her, right? We looked at the back squat and we looked at step ups and we looked at, uh, the way her ankles are moving and how that affects up the chain and down the chain and really, really broke it down for her. So she went from not being able to walk to 
like deadlifting, squatting, heavy step ups, lunges, leading to a little bit of irritation because it's athletic, like movements, and there was just this one little mobility deficit in in movement pattern dysfunction that was really creating it all. And we were able to do like look at that, right? Mm-hmm. Address it and then retest it. And she was able to do those same exact things that she's been having pain with for the last two weeks, pain free. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we didn't have the, uh, we being you and I, if we didn't have that experience, like coaching the squat, coaching the deadlift, really uh, digging in and looking at these movement patterns, if we were just looking at her knee, that would have never gotten better. Yeah. There's no functional carry over there. A- absolutely not. And I think that's just a big part of what's missing. And, and you can tell me your thoughts on this too, but you know, you go in and to a rehab facility and you see people doing all kinds of things like sideline clamshells and they don't pay attention to little details. Like how many little details for exercises have like, uh, have we like gone over with patients that just completely changes the way that that exercise is felt and where it's felt and the efficacy of it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're doing a clamshell, everybody's done the clamshells and you're just laying there and you're slightly rolled back and you're feeling it in the front of your hip. Like you're strengthening the TFL, the tensor fascia lata. If you roll forward a little bit and you can actually feel it more in your side, butt than anything else, then you're strengthening the, the glutes. And, and it's important not to strengthen the TFL because it does the opposite. <laughs> right. At right, some point in time want. through the range of motion, like that's going to, that muscle tends to kick on and pull the knee in during squats and single leg stuff. If your glute is weak, and it's very – it's like a few-degree shift that makes a big difference there, right? Mm. So learning, like, uh, a lot of that stuff, like, and having the eye for that. Like if, how much time would you be able to spend in an insurance-driven clinic? Like, how many times have you seen other people, like, make those small changes? Rarely. Yeah. If ever. Yeah, right? It's just it, – and maybe they don't know. Maybe they're just stupid busy, <laughs> right? And they can't. But what we do yeah. know is that uh, they're very important, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So rapid fire, a couple questions here. Okay. What's your favorite upper body exercise? I like overhead press. Been getting better at it. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been able to do it with the shoulder. So I mean, you were crushing it the other morning. Yeah. So that's 105. Yeah. yeah, but <laughs> he says 105, but he was like, it was repping it out. And you guys got to remember that he's only like four or five months out from a shoulder surgery where it was a pretty extensive surgery. They pretty much... Uh, gorilla glued his arm back on <laughs> entirely <laughs> and that whole surgical procedure is designed to make it so your arm stays securely attached to your body which means that they significantly reduce your range of motion and you have to put a lot of work and time and effort to be able to get through that range of motion uh, at all never mind pain free so he's been working up on this so like it wasn't that long ago that he literally wasn't allowed to lift his arm up over his head or, quote, <laughs> lift more than three pounds, which that's another great topic to chat about, right? So you you just, quote, finish rehab somewhere else mm-hmm. for your shoulder, right? And you still have pain with things, right? Like yeah, you like, can't hang from a pole. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, over, overhead, like end ranges, internal, external rotation are not perfect. Like I, uh, Jess, our receptionist, admin, whatever you want to Refer to her as Office leader manager. of the business. She's yeah. <laughs> she, the the person that runs the yeah, business. Yeah. yeah, keeps it all together. She was teaching me some more complex movements, snatches, cleaning jerks, stuff like that, and like going overhead, just trying to catch something with even a forty-five pound bar was just not comfortable, and it was pretty miserable trying to do that without having that range. And it's not perfect, and like the day-to-day symptoms are gone. I can actually like reach behind my back and put on a backpack and stuff like that. But, but you can't do a push-up. 
yeah, I still can't do push-up. Descent is awful. I have to do incline still. Yeah, right? And, and like, look at that. Like, this, you're done. You're, you're rehabbed. Yeah. You're back to your normal. You graduated PT, right? And you literally can't hang from a pole bar. You can't do a push-up. Like, that's a basic human function, really, right? right yeah. And you're an athlete. Like, you need to be able to do this. Like, why weren't you guided back all the way through in the insurance-driven PT realm? I only have 20 approved visits. That's why. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. Which I only use like 12 of, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm already out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, and it's it's no it's no like dig at your therapist or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like that's the realm. That's how it rolls, no matter where you go. And a lot of it doesn't have to do <laughs> so much with the therapists themselves, anyways. It's mm-hmm. just like the company. The, the in 12 visits is typically like what they want to see you like at least 12 to 16 is like for to, for them to make enough money off of you right yeah uh three times a week and <laughs> forever <laughs> yeah so like uh, shit how did i get on this topic what was i saying uh my rehab wasn't perfect i'm still having issues oh yeah because we were talking about pressing like you've been killing you've been killing the pressing but like I, i've completely forgot what i was saying oh yeah your upper body movement is the press favorite mm-hmm. upper body movement it was only 105 but that's really good because you were told don't lift more than three pounds. Yeah. Right. Like and then it went from ago. it went from three pounds to the guidance you were given from your surgeon was yeah you you're you're good to go back to all activities no restrictions but like take your time getting there from three pounds to all of a sudden <laughs> unrestricted but take your time it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. It, it was they wanted to wait another month to clear me but you can progress your exercises you please so. I can lift three pounds this day, and then tomorrow I can go deadlift 500 pounds if I really wanted to. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I kind of just took that as my own. <laughs> I did my own thing and started just developing strength the way I figured it would progress. Yeah, I think it's – I mean, it's super, super important for you to do that. And, you know, a lot of times uh, in western Massachusetts, the rehab protocols are very behind the times, mm. right? Like, you go out to Boston, and they're very different. Like, uh, in western Massachusetts, they're still like, hey, you have a hip replacement. Don't adduct, internally rotate, or flex your hip, or it's going to pop out, and you're, it's going to fall out. And then you go have the same surgery in Boston, and they're like, oh, you're totally fine. Do whatever you want to yeah, do. You can walk tomorrow. Yeah, like, it, it really doesn't matter. And it's the same thing with those types, types of surgeries uh, around western Mass. Right, like the rehab protocols are very, like, very, very um, restrictive. Uh, conservative is the word that I'm looking for, and they're very different than when you go out to like a medical hub like Boston. And now you get somewhere where like um, that relies on those physician referrals, right? Or it's maybe a physician-owned practice, or yeah. it's a practice that's at the hospital, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> Now you're in this ball and chain where you're locked into having to do the rehab that these surgeons want you to do who don't do rehab. They do surgery, right? right? Well, like my protocol, for example, like I had a bank heart and a slap lesion, and it was just a bank heart lesion protocol. So you're neglecting 50% of the surgery <laughs> through the protocol. Yeah, I mean, typically what they'll do in that situation, right, is they'll just follow the most restrictive protocol, the one that seems uh, the safest, which – might sound good, but the safest thing would be to just never use your arm ever again. Right. Yeah. Right. Just so cut it off. If yeah. It's not working that's right. the safest thing to do. Um, but that's not realistic, and that's not going to help you get back to life. No. So th- those people, those those places are bound by those 
agreements that they have with the surgeons. The, the therapists really don't have any autonomy. It's like literally a printout that says like, hey, do these exercises at this week. Do these new exercises at this week. And it has literally nothing to do with you as a person or what you want to get back to. No. That is absolutely preposterous. So now, now you're out here. Good thing that like you have some know-how, right? Or else you would just be this athlete that's out here in the gym just doing stupid things to hurt yourself, probably. But you have some good know-how, so you can like slowly progress, and you can do these stretches that you need to be doing to get back and like be smart about it. But other than that, man, like that's just that's just terrible care, <laughs> in my opinion, right? Like. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to be modifying things for you when you come in and work out with me in the morning. Yeah, you should no. be able to. Should be able to do push-ups on the floor, but now I'm doing incline on a bar. <laughs> Sucker, <laughs> you'll get back there. Yeah. So, uh, favorite lower body squat, squat, front squat, back squat, overhead squat, probably back squat, squat, holding the bar behind your knees, under your butt. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> back squat. Yeah, you do high bar back squat or low bar back. Squat? I do high bar. Um, Max on that, I think I ever did was 400. Never even tried to go above that just because you're so strong. It used to be, <laughs> it's been a while. Whatever, you're like 10 feet tall, too. So, how tall are you? 6'3, yeah. according to my license, but I think I'm 6'2. I'm 5'12, minus a few inches. Thought you were 5'8 <laughs> <laughs> by yeah. an eighth of an inch. Yeah, uh, I'm 5'9, right? <laughs> That's what the doctors, it's all documented. There's one time, guys, where the doctors tried to tell me I was 5'8. We had a disagreement, they marked me down as 5'9. <laughs> I pulled out the wallet, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then one one last question. Uh, what is one book that you think everybody should read? Ooh, I haven't been reading recently. <laughs> uh, but, uh, go ahead and name your textbooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, one of the books I read before going to PT school was Run, Don't Walk. And it was about, I can't remember her name. I think it was like Adele Levine. And she was like, uh, I think she was a PT at Walter Reed. And it kind of got me interested in like that side of it and it had to do with uh people who were injured overseas or in whatever capacity via military um service and it kind of caught my attention and it's just like exposing me to some of the ins and outs of what they did prior to or what i wanted to do prior to going into pt school so that was kind of an area i thought i might like to go into but turns out not really but it still gave me kind of some guidance on like what to expect when i go into the world of pt Right on, right on. So uh, just one last thing. If anybody, uh, you know, wants to reach out to you, they want to find out more about you, they want to ask you questions about hockey, uh, Instagram, Facebook, like how, how can people find you? Yeah, uh, God, I don't even know what it is off the top of my head. Let me get my phone. <laughs> I think it is AlexFontaine29 on Instagram, and then Facebook, just AlexFontaine. Oh man, I I've done the same thing. Like, oh wait a minute, like what what is my Instagram handle? I don't even I don't even know. Yeah, Alex Fontaine twenty nine on Instagram, and that's basically the only social media I consistently use. Yeah. So. Okay. So look you up Instagram, look you up on Facebook. Uh, they can always reach out to us here at uh, at Move Athletics, and we can we can uh, connect you guys as well. Um, so yeah, so Alex will be starting with us as soon as he gets his his license uh, later on this year. Guy is a wealth of information in. Uh, Knows everything there is to know uh, about hockey. He's actually uh, doing some presentations at some some local um, facilities to help keep their kids uh, injury free and really start to change the way that people look at training because there's a lot of things in there that uh, that don't make sense that uh, Alex wants to change. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for him uh, on our social media, on his social media, 
And uh, yeah, man, we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon. <laughs> sure, it's great being on. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram and tagging at Move Athletics PT so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from me, make sure that you follow at Move Athletics PT on Instagram and Facebook, and then subscribe to the Move Athletics newsletter at www.moveathleticspt.com. All right, guys. Catch you next episode.